0: Welcome to another Jew and Gentile podcast. We are back in the in the podcast room. I almost said studio. It's not the studio. It's our podcast room. We were on the road last week in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Steve, how are you? I'm good, Chris, but you're shrinking. What am I doing? What do you mean?
1: I mean, each week I see you. You're getting smaller and smaller. You're you're buying new clothes. How much weight have you lost, Chris?
0: 30 pounds.
1: 30 pounds. 30, po-
0: 30 pounds. I the, don't need anything you're anymore. You're the
1: incredible shrinking guy. That's
0: exa- I'm doing my best. I got
1: to get it's back. It's an excuse to buy more clothes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on a second. Here we go, everybody. I have to tell you, I wish I was buying new clothes. These are very nice hand-me-downs. I love hand-me-downs. Okay, so I do too, and I live next to an amazing neighbor uh, and his father was is a prominent lawyer down in South ah, Jersey. You're getting nice stuff. So his and his father is the same height as me. And uh, so one day he says, "Do you do you want to look at some of my father's clothes?" And I said, "Sure, I, I'd love to." He I, he's always dressed to the nines. He looks amazing. So he brings all these nice button down shirts and all this. They're they're like brand new. They've never been worn before. And so apparently this father has a you know, a shopping thing. And he's 80. Okay, he's in his 80s.
1: He's not buying schmatas. I could tell you that. (laughs) Now, 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 people might not know schmatas. Schmatas are rag. You're not you're not dressed in rags, my friend.
0: (laughs) So here's the deal. At the the end of the day, I said, yeah, I'll I'll take a look at them. I take everything, everything. And the first day I come in dressed in his clothes, uh, our friend Tom Gagan says, what's going on? I said, "Uh, what? He goes, you look Executive, you look nice. My friend's dad is making me look good, so
1: you are looking good. But you're, sh- you know, there was a movie, The Incredible Shrinking Man Ant Man. It no, not Ant Man. <laughs> this was in 1950s. I remember watching it as a kid on, on uh, on, it was a movie on TV, a 50s movie that they put on TV, The Incredible, sh- but he was shrinking in height. You and I, shrinking in height is not a good thing. Nope. I'm, I've already started, I got nothing. Uh, but you at least haven't done that. You're not shrinking height-wise, but intermittent fasting. That's for what I. Chris Katolka. Yep, I do. Tell it. us what you do. I just stop eating at eight at night, and I pick up again. Does a buzzer go eight o'clock? I,
0: I have to pull I, it up. I, I do. I you know when I get that urge to want to go to the refrigerator to eat something, uh, I do have to go. What time is it? And sometimes I go. Ooh, seven fifty-five. You know, I'll I'll have the last five minutes to to nosh on something. But, you know, sometimes it's 8.05 and I go, eh, today I didn't start eating until You're 12. not under the law, you're under grace. 100 percent, but it's become, a. have been doing this for, it's got to be more than a year now. So, it, it, it's a part of my lifestyle. I've changed a lot of what I eat. I don't eat carbs anymore. I stay away from the carbs and the pizzas and all that stuff. And I just, Wait, so when you,
1: you don't have pizza night at your house? No,
0: we have pizza night, but what, what else? Do
1: you, what, is, what does the Chris man eat when all, four of his kids are gobbling down Pepperoni pizza. All right, you ready for this?
0: You'll like this. I, I get the cauliflower pizza. Ah. So it's a, instead, of, instead of it being flour-based dough, I get the cauliflower one, and then I can eat all the pizza I want. It's cauliflower with cheese and tomatoes and pepperoni, and nice. I'm living the dream. Well, I, So tell me this lawyer's name. The the lawyer's name is Mr. Gruccio. Mr. Uh, Gruccio Gruccio. has
1: a great taste in clothes. You're looking... you are, you are shaming NAM. You are the top dog in dressing in NAM. I
0: love a good, you know, looking nice is great. And it, look, it feels even better when it was a hand-me-down. And somebody else picked it out? Oh, it's Somebody amazing. else
1: paid for oh, it? You,
0: this is the best part about my clothes. I have always, you maybe you've never, if you're listening, you've never seen me in person. And I've had people tell me this. I hear you on the radio. I hear you on the podcast. I didn't know what you looked like. Uh, you're shorter than I thought. <laughs> I'm a shorter guy. That's fine. Uh, Look at these guys. Are you're taller than me? I know. And the the the, whoever designed our bobbleheads. But all that to say, Mr. Gruccio is my height. But see, he's very serious. Whenever I buy a a shirt, it always this is one I bought. Look, it comes down to here down on my hand. It comes down. He has all of them tailored. He alters them. Yeah. He has them all. All of the ones I have come perfectly to. And I go, this is amazing. Everything, the sweaters, the ch- all of it. So thank you, Mr. Gruccio. Mr. Gruccio, we got to have him as a guest. A hundred percent. He would love that. He would we love it We should that. bring him to the <laughs>
1: podcast. He could, But give only us when a he's ready to give us more hand-me-downs. You know? He could give us a seminar on how to buy clothes oh. for a man.
0: Apparently, there's more clothes in that closet that he doesn't even wear. This is what his son tells me, who's my neighbor. Amazing, Amazing family. Very Amazing. nice family. Amazing so, Amazing. All right, Steve. So you and I are actually, we have to do this podcast now because uh, we are traveling tomorrow. You are headed to the
1: great state of Texas. I am back to Texas. I've got to drive from Houston three hours. And I'm not even sure where I'm going. Alice is telling me where I'm going. Wait, so you get to Houston and you're driving three hours. Correct. That sounds like Texas.
0: Yep. You get to the big city. You still got three hours to go.
1: There you go. And you're still going to be in the middle of the state somewhere. Somewhere. Somewhere in Texas. But uh, these are folks that have been friends of Israel, uh, friends of Israel, friends of Alice for a long time. And they are friends of Israel as well. They love the Jewish people and Israel. Uh, But I'll be speaking on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Monday, they want to show us around and Tuesday we're coming home. Okay, great. This is fantastic. Well, you're in Nashville getting an award. I know. We will be able to put an award in this podcast.
0: That's great. Well, it, it it's the
1: radio uh program uh won an award. Oh, then we don't get it in the pod. It's gonna go downstairs. That,
0: sorry, this doesn't come near the yeah, podcast that's room. That's right. We this,
1: have to. I don't know how we would win a, they're a, not gonna, award. You know what they'll will give we ever us? win an award? No, you know what they'll say? <laughs> When this thing ends, when God ends it, then we'll get an award. That's right. We're so no, when we're dead and gone. This is over. These people, (laughs) we've had enough of them already.
0: That's right. Shut them up. Award. That's That's what it is. Congratulations. You 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 finished the podcast. Um, But at least he dressed nice. One person. One person dressed nice. I I feel like if we get Mister Gruccio on here, we're gonna look good. I'm gonna
1: ask his advice and see how much it will cost me to dress. uh, You know, nice.
0: Okay, that sounds good. We'll see what he says. But. But, yeah, I'm going to Nashville, and you know who I'm going to see tomorrow night? No. I'm going to see our former president, Donald Trump.
1: Oh. That's right. Intre- you know, I understand he's selling sneakers now. A
0: hundred percent, and I'm going to see if I can get a pair. No, actually, <laughs> the, Donald Trump is—I'm not just going to a Donald Trump event and winning an award. This is actually called National Religious Broadcasters, and so it's when all the religious broadcasters— When's he speaking? Thursday night. So that will, I'll be there for Thursday night. I'll have to see if they let me in. But uh, but anyway. Show him your award. I know. I'll just go like <laughs> hey, this.
1: I, just, I at least should get in. I got an award here. <laughs> That's
0: right. Let me in. I want to shake the man's hand. That's right. Anyway, uh, so we'll see him, National Religious Broadcasters. Uh, we'll see uh, everybody in the religious broadcasting world will be at this event, which is uh, really great to see. Maybe some familiar names like Eric Metaxas will be there. Uh, oh, nice. Usually Salem, um, uh, Salem Radio uh voices come out I know Hugh Hewitt's been there Dennis Prager's been there you know uh, and
1: Chris Katulka. Well that
0: that guy's way down on the rung he is way down but anyway it'll be great to be a part of the National Religious Broadcaster so you'll be in Texas and I'll hey, be in Tennessee you should
1: do a little video from that location pick something out and we'll play it on the next week's Oh that's podcast. a good that's a good idea so who knows maybe you'll get Make sure your camera's there. Maybe you'll be able to put your arm around... Uh, Donald Trump with his gold sneakers on. Donald Trump's a little bit lighter these days, too. He's Oh, he's, is he? Yeah,
0: he's. No he, McDonald's. No, he's shedding some money, not ah. weight. <laughs> his bank account's
1: a little. A so they'll have
0: to eat at McDonald's. Right. <laughs> all right, Steve,
1: we better move on before we get ourselves in political trouble or uh, yeah, something like that. We're nature. not into politics, but he's where you are, so we can report. That's right. That. It's all
0: locational. It's all locational.
1: That's so correct. that's correct. right.
0: That's correct. All right. Well, we're actually looking at the encyclopedia, the newest Jewish encyclopedia, Steve wanted to talk about this, which is great, and he realized he left the newest Jewish encyclopedia in his car, so he ran downstairs to get it, and that's because he left it in there since our visit to Lancaster last week.
1: Exactly. So I brought it out, and we're going to be going through Menno Kalischer's book on Jesus and the Hebrew Scriptures. We started that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we skipped a week because we were in Lancaster, and we're back at it again, and we're going to be talking about El Shaddai, which comes out of verses in Genesis. Certainly, other places. So, I looked up G, G, the letter G for Newish Jewish Encyclopedia. The first thing I saw, I must say, is Gal Gadot. Oh yeah, <laughs> that she's in G. Yeah, no, Israeli
0: actress, very famous. Israeli actress who is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, of she, course.
1: She is uh, born nineteen eighty five. Uh, Israel actress cast as Wonder Woman in the two thousand. 17, blockbuster, and the most, I can't use the word because... It's inappropriate. <laughs> it's inappropriate. Is there a Yiddish uh, word for it? Uh, <laughs> tushy. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Israel woman since Golda Meir. That's what they say about Gal Gadot. But I was looking up Genesis. There you <laughs> so, Genesis. <laughs> when in the
0: world did God ever think, you know what? Gal Gadot and Genesis will be right next it's to one right another. right next to one another
1: in the newish Jewish, encyclopedic. And under that is Gefilte fish. Gefilte fish. And actually, under Genesis is George Gershwin. Okay, that's, an, that's another <laughs> conversation for later. Another conversation. So, here's what it says. Even in the book like The Bible, thick with wondrous moments and miraculous characters, Genesis stands alone. Like season one of your favorite TV show, it starts with a big bang, picks up the pace as it moves along, giving us everything from a deluge to near-child sacrifice to next-level sibling rivalry. Mm. If you wanted to ponder all human morality, you would need look no further. The jealous Cain slaying Abel, the righteous Abraham bargaining with God on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, the soulful Joseph, forgiving his brothers, it's all there, urging you again and again to just start from the beginning. Uh, you, you read that to me, and it's so true
0: that Genesis... Uh, how many times have you read, starting in Genesis 1 in the creation account? I've been there a hundred times, a thousand times in yep, my life. It's yep. amazing. It always begs you to come back He's to the start. coming back. That's right.
1: And by the way, back to Genesis is uh, Ken Ham's ministry, Is uh, uh, he has a ministry Uh creation research no it's not called yeah. uh, creation research institute cri yeah, yeah i think that's what it's called and you know he's got the ark and he's got the creation uh, museum mm-hmm. uh in kentucky and it is true that if you want to sort out life's problems in 2024 the best place to start it's true is genesis yep. it answers so many, it not just answers, it settles them. Now, we can argue about them, but it settles them. God, if you believe that the Bible's inspired, we do. If you take the Bible literally, we do. Then the issues that we face today can find answers, unconfuse us, if you will, by just going back to Genesis. Untangle the
0: mess. You know, I, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday uh, about the idea of it's even in again we're not going to get political but you know if you believe that mankind is innately good then you're going to position a lot of the ways that you govern people based on the fact that they are innately good people or if you believe like i do and like you do no actually we we're, we're, we're geared to be innately evil you know uh, that we are built with a sin nature we come in because of what happened way back in the beginning with genesis that's going to alter the way that you govern people because you understand that actually man is capable of doing very evil things. And so when you don't govern people properly or manage your 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 state or your city or whatever properly because you believe innately people are really good, then guess what's going to happen? Evil will run rampant at some point. And I actually think we're seeing that in a lot of the cities and and uh, states that we live in today around, uh, around the world that... People think, oh, innately, they're innately good. Uh, It doesn't mean there isn't redemption. It doesn't mean there isn't forgiveness. It just means that the way that you approach things, either you think man is innately good or you think man is innately evil, and that can really determine how you think about philosophy, how you think about governance, how you think about those things that are going
1: on around you. No question. You know, Chris, one of the things that happens when you're a little child and you watch movies that are geared towards children— You'll often hear this phrase follow your heart. Yes. Where's your, just follow your heart. Whatever is in your heart, go do. It sounds good, except the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's a lot of people who followed their heart. It just felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the right thing to do. And it ended up big-time trouble, mm-hmm. because the only heart that is acceptable to God is a kosher heart. That's right. You have to have a kosher heart. And how do you get a kosher heart? Uh, not, you're not born Jewish, you don't have a kosher heart, uh, although Judaism talks a lot about keeping kosher. That's food, but kosher is fit. Proper. How are we fit or proper? Or even a, circ- an, a circumcised heart. A circumcised heart is mm-hmm. another... W- in other words, it comes from above. Mm-hmm. God kosher's our heart. Or in the New Testament, we become a new creature. We get a new heart. Uh, uh Ezekiel talked about a heart of flesh versus a heart of stone. How do we get a heart of flesh from a heart of stone? God softens the heart. He corrects the heart. And we are, uh, as a as a country, and in our culture, in almost all kinds of venues, the it's so appealing. Oh, just do, just do what's in your heart, darling. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we do what's in our heart, we can end up crazy, uh, in big trouble. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing today too. It's just a hundred percent.
0: Um, Steve, you handed me the um the Yiddish with My Dick Mother's and Book. Jane.
1: We took this from the things of my mother, and I'm so thankful that uh we were able to get it. Okay, so uh you, you asked Tell me. Tell them if, what the title is. It's a t- book. You're reading from oh, the it's book. It's called The Yiddish Yiddish with Dick and Jane.
0: Yep. And so we're kinda we're, we still have a Yiddish word of the day today. We have actually a, a Yiddish uh uh what is it? What would we say? Like cartoon that we're going to go through. That's right. But I thought we'd read through this uh, section, which is kind of funny. Uh, Bob and Katie and Scott arrive at grandmother's house. They ring the bell and wait for Bubby to open the door. Gornished. Is that, I say that right? Gornished. Gornished. They ring the bell again and again and again. Take at Gornished. Bob finds a spare key under the mat. He opens the door. Oiga Vault. Grandma's on the ground.
1: Oh, no. What's Gornished? What happened with the
0: Gornished? Gornished means, from what I get from this book, it means nada. Nothing. Zilch. Nothing. So he's ringing the bell. And no response. Nothing. Nothing at all. Why?
1: Because Bubby's on the floor.
0: Bubby has
1: passed out. Can so. you believe Dick and Jane? <laughs> it's and, getting serious. This is this we might have to put a, some sort of warning I know. on Dick and Jane. This might be PG-13. Bubby is on the floor. Yeah. Bub- Take the grandkids out of here. But like everyone's just staring at Bubby in this picture,
0: you know? <laughs> I hope and, she survives. And, and
1: have you noticed we're doing Yiddish here and their blonde hair and blue eyes, which is possible for Jewish people. It is possible. But how many Jewish people, percentage wise? Look, there's three in one page. That takes a, that takes it up. There's there's no more room for blonde haired, blue eyes Jewish people.
0: I'm just thinking there are so many ways to get to Oiga Vault here. You know, it could have been that grandma was I don't know. The
1: souffle popped. You uh, yeah. know, it's, it's something. Yeah. Okay. What do they pick? Yeah. Bub- Bubby falls on
0: the ground. Uh, yeah. Bubby is out. For the count. So anyway, uh, we hopefully Bubby makes it back into the story we'll have here. To
1: tune in next week, how are they going to rescue Bubby? Iga Did vol- she have first alert to press the button? <laughs> Maybe but that- that's the reason why he was banging on
0: the door and, se- door and saying Goid nish." You know, nothing. I got nothing. Butt here. Bupkis what Bubby.
1: is going on with Bubby?
0: All right. So anyway, that's uh, Yiddish with Dick and Cheney. It's getting very serious, people. But Steve, let's let's keep it serious. Let's go to Menno Callister's book, and as- we're gonna.
1: As- as we do, Chris, we're going to Menno Kalischer's book, but wait a minute. Jew and Gentile Podcast is sponsored by... Oh, that's right. It's sponsored
0: by FOI Equip. I forgot that Very important. That's right. FOI Equip is your opportunity to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Number one, you can subscribe... To... Yeah, don't listen to Jew and Gentile Podcast. Yeah. This
1: that's is going to help. <laughs>
0: Equip will help you. That's right. FOI Equip is, uh, is a great way to engage with the scriptures. In fact... Uh, this Thursday night, we're going to be ra- which is tomorrow night. We're going to be wrapping up our two part series on the dry bones from Ezekiel chapter thirty seven, which Ty Perry did a great job last week. That'll be uploaded to uh, our our YouTube page soon for for you to watch on demand. But This Thursday night, there's still time to register by going to foiequip.org, and there you can sign up for his class, and you can get involved in many things with FOI Equip. You can get involved with our teaching online. You get involved with our Jewish ministry training through Bridges. You can come with us on Encounter. You can go to Brooklyn and meet uh, the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, uh, You can go to Philadelphia and partake in a a Jewish, a conservative Sephardic Jewish uh,
1: uh, Shabbat service. Chris, it's amazing. We are taking an encounter group. Not, We're not taking them. They're actually being led by the instructor tomorrow, who is Ty Perry. Uh, he and Alyssa Ruddle will be leading a trip with Encounter, Encounter Poland. That's right. Tell us about Encounter Poland. This is um, the only evangelical group that will be... At this event, I want you to tell them about it. So we have a group of young adults. Uh, It will be for anybody
0: in the future, but we're taking a group of young adults over for the first trip. We have uh, uh, fifteen, what three seats available right now. Um, And so young adults can go over to Poland and partner with our Polish team, uh, with Timothy Rabinik. They're leaving. They're leaving April 29th, and it's an eight-day trip. And we had Timothy on the program several months ago, back in May. Uh, and his team, it was great. We talked about what was going on in Poland and Ukraine. Um, but uh, uh, Timothy's going to take them all around Poland.
1: He's going to give them Holocaust education. He's, they're also go- on the ground. Hol- that is the central three and a half million Jewish people at the beginning of the war, September 1939, 5,000 left at the end of 1945.
0: That's right. And so Timothy's going to give, a, a, a hit, you know, they're going to have tours of like Krakow. They're going to go through Warsaw. Uh, in fact, the Friends of Israel has a farm outside of Warsaw where they'll be staying, a beautiful, where they ho- hold Bible studies and whatnot. Um, they'll be going down to Viswa, uh, where they're going to be able to interact with the ministry that the Friends of Israel has down south in Poland. And then the that really the the ending of the, of the uh, Encounter Poland is really what's the most important thing is our group of Christians who love Israel and the Jewish people are going to be walking with thousands of Jewish people between Auschwitz and Birkenau. Amazing. It's called the March of the Living, and what we found out is that we will probably be the only evangelical Christian group with a sign that says the Friends of Israel— and we'll be marching what with them. What a
1: blessing in, that's going to be.
0: In solidarity. And so, hey, listen, if you're a young adult, I mean in your 20s, 30s, even 40s. Uh, uh, not so that, much. I couldn't go?
1: Yeah, nope, nope, nope. We want young people, tight-skinned people. Uh, this is important. It's a it's an important thing because, Chris, it's usually the younger people in, a, in our country and really in North America who mm-hmm. are denying what's taking place. That's right. Uh, and— this is the kind of trip that instructs people. We want we want young people who are engaged already with the Jewish people, and and many of these folks are. It we do encounter in Philadelphia and New York. We we've done it. We will continue to do it. This was a great opportunity to uh to really transport to Poland, a key place at a key event, a Jewish event, and stand with the Jewish people in Israel. With young people. All right. Well, let me say this then. If you're in your
0: 20s or 30s. Yes. Great. And you want to go. We've got three seats available. And they're filling up fast. It's actually a very inexpensive trip. I was going to say,
1: it's such a deal.
0: Yeah. For eight uh, days, uh, it's $2,600. Including airfare. Including airfare from JFK to uh, Warsaw and back. Uh, But it includes your meals. Um, it will include, uh, uh, you know, all of your travel, all of your
1: lodging, all of that. And they can text you yep. if you're interested. If they you're can interested. text you right now. You can if text right now. All seven of them. That's right.
0: 424-444-1948. Text me and I can connect you with the right people because we'd love to see uh, a really an amazing group of young adults going over to be able to show Israel and the Jewish people support, and to learn Holocaust education, this is a training as well, and to do Jewish uh, uh, ministry by doing volunteer work in the Jewish community uh, and, and so forth and so on. So that's what we're looking forward to. That's all FOI Equip. Mm-hmm. So when you sponsor, when you give to FOI Equip. Uh, and you support us. Again, you're not just supporting this podcast. <laughs> hey, this is a lot. That would take a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> that's right. You're supporting, actually, ministry into the Jewish community, showing love and support biblically to the Jewish people. Again, that's org. So, Steve, here we are.
1: Uh, we are going into that's El right. Shaddai. We, that's right. We were talking—this is from Menno Kalischer's book, who, by the way, Menno Kalischer's, uh father was V Kalisher, who was born in Poland. And some of the actual geographical places that Chris was talking about that encounter is going to be at uh, Men uh, Zvi as a boy had been to as well, Uh, and so it's kind of interesting because that's where he was born in Warsaw. Mm -hmm. So we're going through his book, and Chris, as we go through this, the the Jesus in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, if I would have seen this book title before I was twenty two years old, I would have said what is going on. Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures preposterous. Crazy. No way. Is that really what the, the way Jewish people think about Jesus I, I, in the I Old Testament? All I know is I'm, I was I'm Jewish and that's the way I would have thought. Jesus in the Old Testament? No. I knew he was Jewish, but I didn't believe you could prove that Jesus was in the Old Testament. I thought it was made up. Wow. All the stories were made up. That they were uh, going after the Jewish people uh, and trying to get us to assimilate uh, to a different religion. That's Now, amazing. obviously, it didn't happen to me. I'm, I think I'm Jewish. <laughs> I think. <laughs> you sound uh, like it. I did get tested. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 99%. 99. Sometimes it's 100. Sometimes it's 99. I don't know how it works that way. They keep finding out more stuff. But anyway, I'm Jewish. But uh, Menno Kalischer has done an incredible job, and we're in chapter 2 of his book, and the title is El Shaddai, Almighty God. Hebrew, Almighty God. Mm -hmm. And the first verse he picks is from Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be Blameless. So he writes, uh, Menno writes, God revealed himself to Abraham and presented himself by the name Almighty God, El Shaddai. He made a covenant with Abraham in which he promised to give him many descendants to be their God, to protect them and give them Canaan for an everlasting inheritance. Abraham understood that God himself was standing before him and therefore fell on his face. God was standing before before him. The chapter makes it clear that this was a real face-to-face encounter and not a vision or dream. Chris, here's a conundrum. Here's a problem. How do we take the language if we believe it's written exactly the way God intended, and it's saying that God stood before Abram? That's right. God
0: Almighty, it says. Yep. So we we have to we have to take it, what, what would he have looked like at that point? You know, there's a lot of these moments throughout the Old Testament where, the, where God interacts with a, with a human. Uh, and this becomes a question, how does God interact with a human? I even think of when Jacob wrestled with uh, the person at night. Um, there is, there's a, a, a mystery that's kind of wrapped up in all of it. But that's where Jacob gets his name Israel from, uh, that he wrestles with God. And so, again, there's that that human component. W- w- even though there's the divine, it's that the divine is interacting with the human here. And this is a big moment for Abraham because something important is about to happen in Abraham's life as it's connected with El Shaddai.
1: No question about it. We think of uh, the beginning of the very book of Genesis. God walked with Abraham. Adam, in the cool of the day. It Mm -hmm. says he walked with him. We could go to uh, Joshua, and in standing in front of Joshua was the captain of the Lord's army. Uh, There are all kinds of places, including when Moses stood before a burning bush. So it seems that God can manifest himself any way he chooses, from a burning bush, oh, burning bush, but not consumed. Yeah. And a burning bush where Moses stands before this bush and falls down on his on his knees. And God says, hey, take those sandals off. So a voice is coming out. And here,
0: I like this too, is that the word walk is used in relationship to Abraham's um, uh, behavior toward God and toward others, because it says even before the law. So the law hasn't even been made yet. No law, that's right. Uh, the, the law is the next book, Exodus, uh, and, and what you're seeing is that God is telling Abraham uh, when he's using this term, El Shaddai, the all- almighty God, he's saying, you, Abraham, walk before me blameless uh, and faithfully, as my, as my text says here, faithfully and blameless, the idea of the way that you behave with, you know, you, you know, the behavior that you have with me, and also with others around you, because Paul will do the exact same thing. He uses that word, walk blamelessly, walk in this way, in this manner, uh, the idea
1: of the way that we behave before the Lord and others around us. Uh, Menno goes on to say, God introduces himself by a most meaningful name, Almighty God, or in Hebrew, El Shaddai. The name represents the Lord who reveals himself to men as the God who whom every person should fear, mm-hmm. fearing God. El is the Hebrew word for God. The word Shaddai is derived from the Hebrew root Shaddad, which denotes victorious, decisive, and firm. The translation to Almighty God in English is based on this understanding. So he goes down, and he says, The Lord appeared to Abram. Here is one of the last, uh, last important point above this verse. Every time the name Almighty God is mentioned in the Bible, it refers to the divine personage, men who are allowed to see face to face. Interesting. Chris, face to face. That is a, not a Jewish concept. Yeah. That, the, the temple, before that, the tabernacle, is the holy of holies. We came We came in. Who comes in? One person. Mm-hmm. Only one person. The closest... The tribe of Levi could get, minus the high priest, is in the holy place. The high priest, only the holy of holies once a year, one guy. Everyone else on the outside, the idea of being face-to-face with God is just an amazing thought, and it happens in the book of Genesis to Abram. And this is important because we're talking
0: about Jesus in the Hebrew Scriptures. So are, are, is is Menno arguing as you said Jesus is all throughout the Hebrew scriptures if you were as before you were 22 you said that would have been offensive to hear offensive but you're even we're, here's Menno even boiling it down to the title of the the name of God El Shaddai That's yep. right and that the face to face concept is the idea that Jesus is seen even here in the Old Testament as well face-to-face with Abraham. Is that what Menno's getting
1: at? I I believe that's exactly what he's getting at, and I could tell you that it is a leap for not just a Jewish person, it's a leap for the average uh, cultural, uh, the, the time we live in this culture. Most people who would say, I'm educated to believe this kind of thing, no. And they don't have to be Jewish to deny it. The idea of believing that God became a man, whether before the incarnation or even to direct his chosen people or his people in a particular direction, because after all, there was no Bible. Abram mm-hmm. didn't have a Bible. Yeah. Uh, so God made appearances, and he made them in dramatic ways, things that would just, you'd stand transfixed realizing. What you gave uh, Jacob as an example, I thought he had great kutzbah yeah uh, he's wrestling and he said let me go I'm not letting you go I'm going to cling to you I'm going to hold on yeah so God's response was okay hold on for the ride all night and you'll never forget me your body will never forget me because you're gonna limp for the rest of your life, mm. he pulled his socket out of his. Oh yeah, yeah. Back yi, then yi, too. you got vault. vault. That's, that's what, right. There's
0: that's... there's Jacob on the ground like Bubby. You know. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What is going
0: on? <laughs> <laughs> but you know the 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 thing that's amazing here is that when you think about the fact that that Abraham saw God in in using this title this name uh, El Shaddai, he sees him face to face. You know, that's not just something that's seen here in the name. We 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 went through Daniel together and we saw that Daniel saw somebody that looked like a man. And then I was just doing my devotions the other day in um, Ezekiel chapter one and chapter two. Ay, 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 with the wheels and the fire and ay. Exactly. And it's here comes God's limo. It's his presidential limo coming to take him away from the temple. And what is what does Ezekiel see on this on this chariot that's a divine chariot? He sees one like a man, like a human being that's, you know, he can't describe its face, but it's it's not just a human being. It's human beings got certain things that's going on around it that make it divine. And so again, there's that that human element to what God is doing. You know, so I don't it's hard to put into words what it would be like. With Jesus, we can understand seeing God face to face because of who Jesus is. He's he became man. God became man. But at the same time. To go back into the Old Testament and to think, well, what did it look like when, when Abraham saw El Shaddai? Was it literally face-to-face, or what, what did that experience look like? And so, you know, you see these visions that happen in Daniel and Ezekiel where they're saying, no, we saw something that looked like the shape of a man, uh, but it wasn't just a man. So it's interesting to try to put those pieces
1: together. You know, to, to be in the actual presence of God, God Almighty, it shows, to me— I would think that Abram felt himself very small next to this deity, Mm -hmm. God in the flesh, in, in, in the image of man and God in the flesh. This is before Christ. This is before he's forever in a body. This is where God chooses to manifest himself differently. And, you know, once it's in the Jewish scripture, I've said this for a long time, I was talking to a... Jewish believer, Lorna Simcox, yesterday, and she reminded me of something I said that she actually remembered. I, she remembered something I said. I was, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> wow, you remembered something. You listen. And, and, and that is that uh, Jesus uh, or Abraham uh, having a child at 100 years old with a 90 year old wife. Once you believe that, in other words, once we believe that Abram encountered face to face walking with god on the earth once you're there you logically you can't say this is impossible mm-hmm. this being god incarnating baby jesus uh as recorded in the gospels you can't you could say i don't believe it that's certainly fair and a lot of people wouldn't believe the genesis account and therefore won't believe the gospel account. But if you do believe that this took place and your argument is God doesn't work that way, then you'd be out of line. And that's, what's, that's what changed my mind ultimately is because I had certain things that I believed from a Jewish point of view, but really was ignorant concerning the Jewish teaching of the New Testament. Yeah, I, I, hadn't, I didn't really know that the New Testament was a Jewish book. And Chris, isn't it interesting that as we think of anti-Semitism today, uh, some of the people who are anti-Semitic would say they're very religious. They even believe in Jesus, but they don't believe, they don't believe anything Jewish about him, yet they believe him. Yeah. It doesn't
0: make sense. You know, uh, this isn't the first time Abraham interacts with God, too. You know, God called him while he was in Ur of the Chaldees, uh, but I, El Shaddai wasn't used there. I, nope. I believe it was uh, his name, Yahweh, yep. called him. Um, you know, uh, it, he God spoke to him in Genesis 15. When he made a covenant, I mean, he did interact with God. Oh, yeah. in that covenant. Now he was God, he
1: was killing animals, moving them around, cutting up birds, and putting putting it in there so he could walk between the pieces. But God put him to sleep. But God put him to sleep. But then God moved
0: through the pieces as the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch. Exactly, uh, at God's presence going through the pieces. But Abram Abram was there at that. Abraham was there at that time. You know, so God, this isn't Abraham's first interaction with God. But it is, you know, an ongoing relationship that Abraham He's learning
1: has. more about God He's through the different names and the different kind of appearances that he's made. A hundred percent. And so
0: this is interesting because w- would you call this a Christophany then, which is something— I
1: would. Yes. The, the Christophany is oh, the idea— Oh, you're using fancy words, Chris. Well, it's a, 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 an appearance. Christ... Help people like me who oh, graduated yeah. in the top 10% of the lower third of their class. Christophany? Christophany. Christ. Christ. Christ, and then ophany,
0: which is like I believe an appearance, or the the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament is called a Christophany. Thank you. Yes, remember the show notes. That go to the show <laughs> notes. That's right. But you knew exactly what I was I talking did, about. But
1: I understand. I, I've listened to things before. I I picture our listeners. Some of them. Very intelligent people, but they don't know theological ter- What is he talking about? It's like going into a doctor's office, and they're talking about all these things, and it sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah, what diseases? No, no, we're not talking about diseases. We're talking about medicine. Uh, this,
0: this is why uh, I love Jim Gaffigan, because he talks about his wife having brain cancer, and he says this is why doctors try to measure tumors with food. You know, <laughs> uh, you've got a. They've got a grape-sized tumor. Oh, that's not bad. I didn't finish. It's a grapefruit-sized tumor, you know? So, then he goes, oh, now I understand better. That doesn't sound good. But,
1: uh, yeah, it's nice to... Christophany there's is a, a word, it's a theological term that helps us understand appearances that were
0: pre-incarnate Christ. A hundred percent. And so we're going to see that probably a lot in the Old Testament as we're going through Menno's and we'll book. See,
1: yeah, that's right. Menno does a great job. You know, Chris, it's worth saying... That uh, Menno Kalischer has written a number of things, mm-hmm. but he always started off writing everything in Hebrew for Israelis. Yeah. And that's when what I that say Israelis, for. that's exactly what it was for. When I say Israelis, people think all Jewish. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, 75% of Israelis are Jewish, 25% of Israelis are not Jewish. That's right. uh, so he's writing in Hebrew. And then the idea is, his uh, his church, he's pastoring a church, they want to give out literature. So, who are we? We're the Americans. Oh, you want this book? I'll translate in English, but it'll cost you some shekels. Yeah. <laughs> Not really shekels, <laughs> dollars. dollars and right. by the way, we're happy to buy it because he takes the money that he makes, any money he makes on it, he takes that money and uses it to print more material to pass out in Israel. That's a great... So, Buy the book is what I'm saying. 100%. Uh, Chris, you're going to put that in the show notes. It's already been in the show notes. You just got to click there. It'll take you to the FOI store. Bada bing, bada So you buy a book to help you understand uh, Jesus and the Hebrew scriptures. Your money will be used to help Menno buy or or print more material in Hebrew. Aye, what that a sounds, great I'm, thing. That sounds amazing. Symbionic.
0: But, but don't jump too far ahead as we go through the study. If you buy the book, I mean, slow
1: down because you might end up ruining all the podcasts. <laughs> No, we next? want them to buy the book. We're still going to go through it because you know what? 7 people are going to buy the book. That's it.
0: <laughs> hey, look, some uh, uh our friend the Sanborn family, they texted and said, "Uh, don't worry, we bought it." Okay? <laughs> Thank you. Sandborn family. Menno. That's your right. You helped Meno. All right. Hey, Steve, why don't we go to the news? You get Steve, like if you listen to the podcast regularly, Steve and I are up early in the morning, both of us, and we start texting each other, and Steve is the king. The, the Melech in Hebrew, the king <laughs> of news. And so he's sending me stuff all the time. So whatever, you know, normally I'm just the, co. Uh, uh, what is that, uh, to collate something, to put it all together. Yep. I, I put it all together on the podcast, but Steve is the one who finds all these great uh, uh, news articles. And
1: Steve, maybe we want to start with this one from Indiana. Yep. Uh, this one comes from a Times of Israel. Uh, not good, Chris, the headline. Indiana freelance reporter. So, this is in Indiana, the state of Indiana. A freelance reporter is charged for threatening to kill. Every Jew in Fort Wayne. That's nice. Now, the joke would be, okay, the two people who live, two Jewish people live in Fort Wayne. I mean, how many Jewish people can there be in Fort Wayne? <laughs> but still, that's, that's the jo- joke part. I happen to live in Chicago, ministered. We have great friends in Indiana, especially Fort Wayne. A shout out to the Bain family. 100%. Who, who live there. But this is frightening. The threat to kill Every Jew in Fort Wayne, it says a freelance reporter based in Fort Wayne, is facing up to five years in federal prison. Yep, five years? I'm going to kill every Jew, five years, uh, for allegedly threatening to kill every Jew in the city and shoot every pro-Israel U.S. government official, according to a federal affidavit filed in court last week. Jeffrey Stevens, 41, is charged with posting threats using interstate communications, which carries a maximum of five years in federal prison. Chris, this is the kind of society, unfortunately, that we're living in. It, I remember my mother, who has passed away, we talked about her, telling me whenever she encountered things like this, she said, I just don't understand where America is heading. Chris, mm-hmm. do you think this is an indication of where America is heading?
0: I, You know, I can't speak for this individual. I mean, this person could have their, you know, be some mental basket case, but the reality, that when, when you showed me this, you know what came to my mind, is that look at this freelance reporter based in Fort Wayne, is facing up to five years in federal prison for allegedly threatening to kill every Jew in the city, and to shoot every pro-Israel U.S. government official. So, he this individual's facing up to 5 years in federal prison and my mind immediately when i read this went to the panel at the congressional panel with the presidents the, three presidents the three presidents of MIT, UPenn and Harvard sitting there and all like robots saying you know if someone calls for the extermination of the jewish people are, does that break your genocide? They yeah. specifically use the word genocide. Uh, does that break your code of conduct for Harvard, MIT, or or? And they go the it the con it depends. What's yeah, the could context? Could be,
1: might not be. It all depends.
0: It all aye, depends. Aye, aye. What's the context? Well, it's so funny to me. Here's a you know we could say well what's the context for what this guy wants to talk about you know? But no, he's going. He could face up to five years in prison. For his incitement of violence, without even doing anything, just saying the words is enough for him to potentially be in jail, or she—I don't know if it's a man or a woman—in jail for five years. And yet, college students can go on Harvard's campus, MIT, uh, UPenn, and say horrible things, even crying for the death of the Jewish people. Apparently, those from
1: things, the river.
0: To the sea. That's right. Which is an incitement against it's, it's genocide not, of the Jewish
1: people. There's more Jewish people in Israel than there are in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> That's right. But at the
0: end of the day, it's like ah, uh, that context matters. But here, context doesn't matter. That they they could be facing jail time. What's the difference? What is the difference? Is that a state law that it's different between Indiana and 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 Massachusetts or Pennsylvania or or uh, you know those two states? Well, what's the difference? I don't think there is a difference. I think it has to do with the fact that college campuses allow anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, and Indiana won't put up with it. I think that's what it comes I, down to.
1: I, I agree, Chris. Well, you got the next one. Yeah, this one was
0: interesting. Um, U.S. vetoes United Nations resolution calling for immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. And Steve, if I can—I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, you know, I just wrote— an editorial for Israel, my glory. Ah, shameless plug. That's right. That's great. And so I thought maybe I would, I don't know if this is the title they're use, they'll use, but the, I called it cease with the ceasefire. And that was the, I don't know if they'll use it. We'll see if we, you know, look next issue to see if that's what it is. But I said this in, in light of what's going on here. I wrote shortly after the tragic events of October 7th, where a devastating attack by Hamas led to the loss of 1,400 lives in Israel and the taking of over 250 hostages, including women, children, and the elderly. President Biden made an Oval Office speech demonstrating solidarity with the grief-stricken nation. He emphasized the importance of accountability in the face of terrorism and aggression, stating, quote, history has taught us that when terrorists do not face consequences for their actions— And when dictators are not held accountable for their aggression, it only leads to further chaos, death, and destruction. Well, President Biden's remarks hold profound truth, reflecting the pattern observed over the past 15 years where Hamas has exemplified the adage, give them an inch and they'll take a mile through their actions. The White House robustly supported Israel's military actions in Gaza following the events of October 7th. And I talk about what they did, but then all of a sudden things start to change. Attitudes start to shift. And that's what's happening, I think, in America right now, to the point where the United States on Tuesday did veto an Arab-backed, widely-supported U.N. resolution demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, but it said uh, that it, so it, 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 our country, the United States, vetoed that, and it's saying it would interfere with the negotiations on the deal to free hostages abducted in Israel. And so it goes on to say that ultimately what they want to see is it was a third U.S. veto of the Security Council resolution demanding a ceasefire in Gaza came a day after the United States circulated a rival resolution that would support a temporary ceasefire in Gaza linked to the release of all hostages and call for the lifting of all restrictions on the delivery of humanitarian aid. Now, here's what's interesting is that I follow a journalist who works for the government now actually of Israel. His name is Elon Levy. And you'll see him a lot on TV all around the world because he's the voice for the government. And he wrote on X, which is formerly Twitter, that it's kind of a misnomer to say that this ceasefire, this short ceasefire that the U.S. wants to put in place would actually be used for humanitarian aid. Because he argues we've, the Israel's been letting humanitarian aid in the entire time. So wh- why do we need a pause the, the real concern that a lot of the countries are feeling and that that they're voicing in the UN is that the last stop in Gaza on this uh, 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 um, campaign that Israel has is Rafah, in the south, which the, is located in the south. That's right, not and that's,
1: far from the Egyptian border,
0: and that is where Israel's been telling all the Palestinians all the, all the Gazans, move from your place in in Khan Yunis or Gaza City, which is in the north and in central Gaza move south, go to Rafa. They're concerned that uh, ultimately all of it, Israel's actions in Rafa will create serious surus because all the people are down there. And uh, that's where humanitarian aid is coming in and all of these things. But the reality is, is Israel saying, no, we've got this under control. We understand what we're doing. And apparently people are migrating back up to their, to their homes in Gaza City and Khan Yunis. But all that to say uh, uh, it's interesting because the United the United States is putting forth a resolution that would go behind uh, Israel's you know back and ultimately push for this ceasefire. When Israel is saying we don't need a ceasefire right now, a ceasefire will only help Hamas rearm, regroup, and exactly. reorganize. Exactly. And so, really, what it's doing is kind of chopping the legs off of Israel as the United States keeps pushing for a ceasefire. And we even heard President Biden say. Uh, that he believes, at least from the podium, uh, that Israel's gone too far, essentially.
1: It's it's a shame. Chris, you know, uh, we have... Uh, uh, I sent you a, uh, a news item from one of our own uh, in uh, Poland, and he puts forth a map that you're going to put in the show notes uh, mm-hmm. and shows exactly the way Israel has been fighting this war. And it, it's a really great... Demonstration, and that's why I want our seven listeners to get it because in that video he makes he uses blue and shows where Israel took care of business up north and how they're funneling people to the southeast as they go down to Rafa to take care of business down there. And it, I think it'd be helpful for our people to see that. And what we're forgetting, even though you just read it, I'm telling you know what people are forgetting. The hostages. Yeah. The 130 hostages, which a percentage of them are dead. Mm-hmm. They're holding the bodies. Uh, it's against every uh, war rule you can think of. This idea of taking babies, mm-hmm. uh, older people, and the Geneva Isra- Convention. Israel yeah. has said, look, give back the hostages and we could talk and have a ceasefire. That alone is. They're they're saying, give us the hostages. These aren't our soldiers. Mm-hmm. Give them back. And it frustrates me personally that very few people bring them up, including our own government officials. Very few. They're talking for a ceasefire, but they're not talking about return of the hostages. And Chris, they have a history of holding hostage of holding prisoners or hostages for years. Yeah. That's and, what happened to Gilead Shalit? Exactly, and they released Gilead Shalit finally after years and For a years. thousand uh, Palestinian. That's right. It's it's who well, are in jail because of terrorism, and who some of those actually committed crimes during October. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's right. You're rearming. You're
0: restocking it's, all of we it. We
1: already know, and yet it, it's it's mind boggling to us. And part of it is we follow our heart. Mm. It breaks our heart that these people are suffering. Well. Yes, it does break our heart, but it breaks our heart even more to realize that the deceitful hearts of pure evil people would manifest themselves with the most cold-blooded, heartless Mm -hmm. events that you could imagine. And that's why Israel releases video. By the way, they do it reluctantly. They do it with warning. I just saw the video they released of that family with the mother and her nine month old child as they forcibly removed them from their home and took them captive. Yeah. And we don't even know if they're alive or dead now. Little babies. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, this is, uh, I'm thankful that the United States vetoed it, but they're moving to me dangerously away from the humanity of a ceasefire October 6th to where open war happened October 7th and saying, hey, we ought to stop the war. All I could say is the uh, allies were not interested in stopping the war until they defeated Nazis. Well, and that's the reason why I, I support what Biden said when he says history
0: taught us that when terrorists do not face consequences for their actions, when di- dictators are not held accountable for their aggression, it only leads to further chaos, death and destruction. But that's why it's hard to hear those words and then to hear uh i think it's time to slow it down or they've gone too far they're not hamas is still in power hamas what who are you going who's israel going to negotiate with you think israel today is it going to negotiate with hamas and oh yeah, we could talk about this another time but the idea that the western countries or the united nations is telling israel we really need to think about a two state solution with who with who who is the moderate Palestinian that you're going to put up so that Israel can shake hands? Where they where they uh, accept Israel? They accept Israel as a country. It's a Jewish state. Uh, that they make peace agreements. All these. Who's the person? Show me. You know that's it's 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 uh, living in a dream world. That's what it is. And the reality is is that Israel Israelis I think are nowhere near a two-state solution
1: right now. Uh, uh, no, I agree. Well, let's ask Chai. Give us a Chai. All and right. Ask it a question. Well, I want to know, do you think it's a good idea
0: for a two-state solution?
1: Okay, okay here we go. Let's hear what Chai says.
0: You even need to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Forget <laughs> about it. Listen, That's Italian. We got one more article, too. I'm not going to read it. I encourage our listeners to go read it, but uh, Steve found this, and I think it's really important to talk about because, of course, we support Israel and the Jewish people. Um, But this raises a very important issue. It's a Times of Israel piece titled, Turning the Other Cheek on Extremist Jews' Incitement, Christians Flock to Israel. You know, you can make it, it can almost sound like that Steve and I support everything and anything Israel does, and that's not the truth. Nope. Um, We believe God has returned the Jewish people to the land, it's a part of his prophetic word, but that also doesn't mean that we believe in everything that Israel does as a government, um or what the people in power think is the right thing to do. A- and recently since the newest government has come into power, the Netanyahu government, and this isn't speaking of Netanyahu, this is speaking of his coalition, his his the the members of Knesset that are in coalition with him. A lot of them are
1: more right-leaning um uh Anti, religious anti-evangelical Christian. 100%. They, and the reason they they don't they would say we don't care if somebody's uh evangelical we just don't want them coming into our country and spewing, they would say, this uh, New Testament stuff that we have to convert that's to right. Christianity. They're nervous about it. Just, just as I said, Chris, before I was 22, that I didn't believe anything concerning the New Testament. I didn't believe it was Jewish. I didn't think it was even Jewish-friendly. Uh, and that's the way many Jewish people are in Israel, and they're concerned. But the point of the article is... Is telling us factually uh, how some of them are responding, and it's not in a way that uh, the majority of Israelis would not agree with.
0: That's right. Uh, the The ultra orthodox, if you will, they're the ones who are incredibly against evangelical Christians coming in and you know sharing their faith, uh, you know, um, being a witness for Christ. Uh, all of these things uh, they they do not like it, and they can even be get kind of. Um, Testy, if you will. Feisty. Oh, very feisty. And, um, for instance, uh, I'll say uh, last December. No, no, no. December 2022, I was in Israel um, and uh, the the Netanyahu government had just won its election. And there is a man that's very popular in Israel. His name is Ben Gavir. And Ben Gavir uh, is a a a orthodox, right leaning um, member of Knesset. And he held his very first press conference with the Christians uh, it, uh, that were a part of the media summit, the Christian media summit that Israel put on. And so uh, the, the president of, um, of uh, the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem, Dr. Jürgen Bueller, he was there. He, he was, lives there. He's, he's lived li- there since the early 90s. 100%. He was sitting right next to me, and he raised his hand and said, Ben Gavir. I know that you were a part of protests against Christians, and that's not been a part of the Netanyahu government or any other government to really push against evangelical Christians. Uh, Will you be friendly to evangelical Christians? And Ben Gavir kind of danced around it a little bit. Well, guess what? There's still pressure that's coming on evangelical Christians. I don't think it matters if they're outsiders or like, like Menno. If they're evangelical, even if they're Israeli, they don't like it. They protest against it. And so it says, in the June Hebrew Language Mariv article, International Christian Embassy Jerusalem President Dr. Juergen Bueller described the May 28th events as unprecedented. It was one of the few times in Israel where I feared an assault. I'd never been experienced, never experienced such hostility before," said Bueller, a German-born ordinate, uh, ordained minister and physicist who had been living in Israel since 1994 and who has two sons serving in combat units in the, in the Israel Defense They're Forces. in the Israel Defense League. That's right. And you know what is amazing is that some of these people that worked for the uh, for the uh, International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, it would be like clockwork; they would get their visas uh, renewed. Uh, By the Israeli government because of the work that they're doing to promote Israel and the Jewish people. Well, all of a sudden, as this new government comes in, guess what? They go to get their visas renewed. Oh, sorry. Denied. Denied? I've been getting my visa renewed for 20 years. Sorry. Denied. Why? Because the government from the top down is pressuring these uh, Christian groups out. Now, that doesn't represent—Steve and I have to say this—that does not represent Israel. That No, or the
1: average Israeli
0: citizen. A hundred percent. And so— that's the reason why politics does matter in Israel, because it is a very religious thing as well. And this is the this is the most religious right-wing, and by right-wing we mean even in the religious world, government that Israel has ever seen before. And, and it's beginning let's, to play out. Let's be out.
1: clear, Chris. Uh, Friends of Israel has relationships with some Israelis who are religious. Yes. But they love Christians. 100%. So this isn't all religious Jews. But it's enough to create, especially if they're in key positions in the government— They're creating chaos that many Israelis want to deal with uh, to make sure this doesn't happen because, again, Israel's looking for friends. And it's easy for us to say confidently the best friends Israel has are evangelical christians 100% and so hopefully it stays that ways stays that way and i know
0: that um benjamin netanyahu is a huge fan of christians evangelical christians he's
1: spoken at the nrb 100%
0: 100%, 100% and so he as the leader of the government uh, I know that he's got issues that he's dealing with. He's got suris, but hurting cats in the government of Israel, a hundred percent. But I'm confident that he will maintain a good relationship with the evangelical Christian community. Oh. Steve. Well,
1: Chris, we're doing Yiddish, and I'm I actually assigned you to do it. My wife Alice Herzig, uh shipped me uh, one of the I guess you'd call it a cartoon. Yeah, is that? And there's a website that we're going to put in the show notes. There you go. uh, But I want you to read. There's four squares in the comic section that uses Yiddish. That's right. And all of these squares, these cartoon squares, are biblical stories.
0: And the title is, If Yiddish Was Spoken Then, talking about the Old Testament. Going all the way back to Genesis. That's right. So we're going to Abraham when he has to bind Isaac. And so he's got Isaac bound on the altar, and it says, sounds enough, but I'll do it. Huh. That's Abraham. Sounds crazy, but I'll do it. Okay, then the next is Joseph with his technicolored, uh, or his multicolored, uh, uh, uh,
1: what is it called, robe. His multicolored robe. and He wasn't dressed like Chris Kotalka.
0: No, even though that was probably nice then. It was
1: probably nice then. It's,
0: it's, so his brothers look at him in this robe, and he says, What's with the technicolor shmata? <laughs> shmata, a rag. A rag. That's our Yiddish word, actually, is shmata. And then Solomon is sitting on his throne... And he says, not just a Shana Punham, <laughs> A pretty face. <laughs> and then finally, Moses, he's, he's walking with the Israelites all throughout the wilderness. He says, enough with the 40-year schlep.
1: <laughs> I'm with Moses. That's right. You don't like the schlep anymore. I You're done schlepping. I'm done with the camping. Done with the schlepping. That's Let's right. Let's uh, find a nice place. <laughs> put up a the nice pro- chair the if, promised land the whole point was to get to, in to the, fact, the promised Chris, land. give me the kind of chairs that you have you just got in your office yep with the leather and the two little uh the pillows, pillows. that's right and for leaning to charge your phone oh i could live there there you, well you're welcome to
0: come whenever <laughs> you want hey everybody the yiddish word we're gonna because we've done mashugana We've done Shayna Punam. We've, We've done, done Schlepp. Schlep. So, Schmata, a rag, right? All of our good works are like Schmata. Before the Lord, is that a- right? That is Amen. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And hey, thanks for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Just a fresh reminder: you can still get to foyequipped.org and you can sign up to be a part of Ty Perry's class, which is all about the dry bones coming back to life, the nation of Israel, both physically coming back to life and spiritually coming back to life. It's going to be a great wrap up to a two week class. Get to foyequipped.org and you can sign up right now. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of the program.